Edge. A three. Good! You can't be serious with that shot. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. All right, we welcome you back on to the Jess College Hoops Show. It's been a little bit since the national championship game, but man, is there a lot to catch college hoops fans up on to this point in the transfer portal era and the transfer portal season. Tim Leonard, Brian McLaughlin here with you. We'll be here with you throughout the offseason. We're going to get creative and do some fun stuff. But Brian, first off, how are you doing? Are you keeping up with all this transfer portal nonsense? (laughs) It's tough to keep track of these days. I'm trying my best, Tim. You know, the games are over, but there's more news, more drama in the the sport of college basketball, almost in the offseason than we've ever had. And certainly more news is being broken on a daily basis right now than any time during the season. Admittedly, it is hard to keep track of, but I find myself going on, whether it's Evan Mayo or uh, 24-7, all the different transfer portal sites that do a pretty good job of keeping track of who's in the portal, who's where. I'm on the verbal commits site on Twitter nearly every day, just trying to, okay, who entered the portal today? Were there any recent commits that I somehow missed? It's hard to keep track of, but I'm excited to break it all down with you and try to at least get a a pretty good gauge on, wait, which players are going where now? And try to just keep everybody updated on who's going to be wearing different uniforms and some of those favorite players, familiar names that you might've gotten used to last season that are not going to be in the same spot going forward. Yeah. I I don't know how the coaches do it, honestly, especially if this all starts for them for a lot of schools when the tournament is going on and they're still trying to game plan. And then they also have to keep one leg and one eye focused on the transfer portal somehow. And we've talked about how it just doesn't seem like, this is the right time to do it. Now is maybe the right time, but starting it right around, I think it's March 13th or March 12th is when the portal opens and then it'll close on May 11th. So there's exactly two months, I believe in terms of players having the opportunity to put their name in. And I don't know, it's, it's fascinating times. I think it is a lot to keep up with from a fan perspective, but this year in particular for me, one of my big takeaways from just watching some of the names trickle into the portal this specific year is that I think we're just going to see three or four guys every year that don't quote unquote make sense as guys that should be going into the portal and they're going to go in. And I think of Hunter Dickinson as a prime example of that. You know, you think about why would you enter the transfer portal Well, you want more playing time, maybe. Hunter Dickinson has got all the playing time he would want. Maybe you want more NIL. I don't know his exact NIL deal, but I would have to think it's pretty solid at Michigan considering he's been an All-American type of player for a number of years. They're a pretty big brand, all that. So those are kind of the two big reasons why I think guys do end up going into the portal. But there's been some head scratchers this year. Nemhard from Creighton is another one where – He's getting all the playing time he wants. I'm sure he's getting pretty good NIL. And, you know, he's on a team that's going to be right up there nationally ranked next year. So maybe for Dickinson, the case is, well, Michigan sort of underperformed. I want to go to a team that could win a national title. And we'll see. We, As of us recording right now, we haven't seen where he's going. But those are a couple of big names that stand out to me. as just sort of 
an indication that it's going to be weird each and every year. I think when this first started, it was kind of obvious names entering the portal. Now we're just seeing guys jump that are going from a good situation to hopefully a better one. LJ Cryer going from Baylor to Houston. That one shocked me. And that's going to be an in-conference transfer. Those two are going to be conference rivals going forward. It's not like LJ Cryer was lacking for opportunities or playing time. Um, Just from some of the conversations I've had, Tim, with people, there are other things that go into this as well, right? Um, Some players want to go closer to home and they have the opportunity to play closer to home. Now there's those rumblings around Hunter Dickinson. Maybe Maryland is a fit. He's from the DC area. That would be a fascinating in-conference move in the Big Ten if that were where Dickinson potentially landed. There are so many factors that go into this decision for each individual player. Um, Some of them are veterans hoping, like we've talked about, for a better personal fit as far as maybe boosting NBA draft stock. Maybe that NIL package could come in a little bit better. Maybe it's a youngster who just doesn't quite mess with the coaching staff. There's really a a decent argument to be made for almost any player or situation in the country that they should enter the transfer portal, which I'm not surprised by the sheer volume of names going in anymore, right? It's, It's no longer surprising that sense. There are some absolute head scratchers as far as where guys end up and the situations that they're leaving. Um, and it, it just, I continue to come back on, it's situation by situation. I, I am just letting go of trying to figure out why on earth is LJ Cryer going from Baylor to Houston? Like there are a lot of things that just might not make sense. And that's okay. And you know what? Each player is hopefully doing what they feel is best for them. Um, there are other issues for me within the transfer portal era. Like we've talked about how the coaches have to start During some of their seasons at times, I think that there are some real gray areas as far as coaches and staffs being able to reach out to players who are not even yet in the transfer portal, but being able to reach out and say, hey, we might have this NIL package for you. That to me is a major red flag for this thing as a whole. But overall, I'm short on that real quick, because on one hand, I don't like when a guy just goes into the portal just to check out his options, because I think if you're not tampering, then like everyone is going to be entering the portal, right? I, I think right. back to in the football season, Drake made the quarterback for UNC. I remember talking to people about, you know, why wouldn't he enter the portal? Because from a leverage play, and he, he ended up saying at UNC, and I know this is a college basketball podcast, so not the best comparison no, here, but it still is like if you're Drake May or if you're his parents, I would encourage a kid to go into the portal as a leverage play because then Alabama is going to come with a figure that's going to raise the price for UNC. And part of me understands that that is already happening before they're even in the portal. And I think in a way for like the average college basketball fan, it might be sort of good that the tampering's happening so that when a guy enters the portal, you say your goodbye to the program and it's like there's some closure to it and there's not this back and forth. But I don't know. I'm also torn because the tampering shouldn't happen and it's kind of annoying that it is right. happening. Uh, yes. And that's where I would push back on it a touch. I think that you're you're right, especially at that the power five, the blue blood level. That's where I think, you know what? I I, I kind of get it. It makes sense. You don't want somebody going into the portal just to truly like if Hunter Dickinson is just doing this to try to get leverage and more money from Michigan. That's where I'm like, okay, maybe I don't love how that situation is panning out. I have no information there at all, obviously. 
from a firsthand perspective, though, and to to bring it back to something that I know very well, Aaron Deloney at Vermont made news this week by initially entering the portal after the Vermont season ended. This is the two-time America East sixth man of the year, a player who had been at Vermont for a full four seasons. He's averaging 12 points a game, puts his name in the portal, but had open communication with the coaching staff at Vermont saying, look, I'm not saying I'm gone. I just want to truly see what are my options. He's from Oregon, all the way across the country from Vermont. I know firsthand that Aaron was looking at schools out West. Those were the schools that he was seeing. Can I play somewhere closer to home? That is also a really good basketball fit for me. After seeing his options, he decided that Vermont is still the best fit for him for his fifth year, takes his name then out of the portal, recommitting to UVM, having constant communication with the Vermont coaching staff throughout the entire process. For me, that's a great example of the transfer portal working out in a good way for a player who maybe wanted to play close to home, wanted to see his options, wanted to see maybe if he could get a better NIL package than what Vermont admittedly doesn't offer him a very good one. And so to me, that's like a good story, right? Where a player just wants to see what his best choices are for him and his career. The coaching staff is okay with that. But at the same time saying to the player, we want you back too. And we want you to know that being open with the player Communication is everything in that instance. And I think in a lot of these instances with players and with coaches and with the staffs and, and just trying to do what's best for the player, but it's not easy for the coaches, right? It's not easy in any of these situations, trying to figure out how to best create a puzzle for your team into next season. I think we are seeing that these mid-major guys are entering the portal with just the genuine interest of what can I get out of it? And I sure. just want to see what my options are as I'm in college right now. Like Keegan Records is another example, very similar to the story you're laying out. He goes under the portal. I'm sure he got some high major interest. Who knows if he even thought he was leaving Colgate when he entered the portal, but now he's right. announced he's coming back. It's fascinating though, because I feel like the tampering is just not occurring at the mid-major ranks as much because it's right. coming from the power conference, big money schools, and they don't have the time to knock on every mid-major door, but they see, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Jesse Edwards in Syracuse. That's the one that's close to me right now. He very clearly just did not get the NIL offer that he wanted from Syracuse. And it's an interesting scenario because he's an international player in the visas. And how do you get the NIL money when you're an international player? And they've got a lot to figure out on that front. And I just hope at some point it just becomes, you know, the same for international athletes and absolutely American athletes. I don't know why it, it should be this tough. I mean, Oscar Shibway has, he, he shouldn't treat it as like a chore or something because he made like a million dollars going down to the Bahamas, but it, it is just weird to me that he has to go to the Bahamas to secure his NIL money. And, you know, Jesse Edwards would have to do the same thing. But I say that to say Jesse Edwards went into the portal because he very clearly had talked to other schools and realized their offer and their packages and their figures were better than Syracuse by how much I don't know but he's been on record about that his dad was on record saying he he didn't want to leave Syracuse Syracuse was his top choice but they just didn't come together with an NIL package that was competitive and Jesse Edwards could go play overseas but in all likelihood he's kind of peaking right now as an athlete in terms of what he can bring and the amount of money that he can bring home. So he needs to take advantage of that. So I understand that, but it's weird because I think the the long story of what I'm saying is 
if you don't, if you crack down on tampering and say, if you tamper, we're going to fine you, whatever, and make it so that tampering is not a thing, then are we just going to be in a world where everyone is entering the portal every year just right. to get into those conversations? And that's sort of a scary place to be in. Especially from the mid-major level, guys who are looking to go upwards, the guys who are trying to maybe take a step forward, both in their careers as a basketball player and maybe make some money for themselves as well. That's when you worry about the mid-majors a touch and everybody just going to North Carolina, LSU just throwing the bag at everybody. Like that's when you worry about the SEC takeover and the amount of NIL money that they are able to truly throw around. But I do believe that the transfer portal still has real layers beyond just NIL. The NIL absolutely is one of the the main headlining parts of all of this. But I I really think that you're going to see coaches emerge who are good at handling the transfer portal, and that's going to make them and their programs go to another level. We've seen it previously with the coaches who are just able to recruit better, the coaches who are able to bring in the best recruits. Now it's a completely new tool to be able to plan ahead and to be able to kind of put all your pieces on a whiteboard and how do they match up? I look at, and again, this is and it, maybe not the perfect example, but a mid-major guy who's jumping to the power five, Paxson Wojcik from Brown has announced a commitment to North Carolina. I saw Paxson Wojcik firsthand this year and he did not look like a, a North Carolina Tar Heel, but he's a great outside shooter. Carolina is bringing him in because he's a good three-point threat. He's a really smart kid from an Ivy League school who's a two-time captain at Brown. That's why they're bringing him in. They're not bringing him in because he's a former five-star. And so that I guess my point there is I'm excited to see how coaches use this tool and continue to experiment with, okay, it's not just about accumulating the best athletes anymore. It's about accumulating players who are good in the classroom. You can go out and get guys who are just smart veteran presences if you think that's going to help your locker room. And I think that's going to be really fun for coaches to have that option to be able to pick and choose lots of different skill sets that are all in the portal and try to just make your team year to year a great one. While I hope also still developing the young players, right? That's what I hope isn't lost in that side of it. Hopefully players are still developing, but I like the the ability for coaches to be able to pick and choose different options at this point and make their teams better. I, and that's a fascinating point because I do think you're you're right. If you're succeeding in the transfer portal right now, it's probably because you're either doing really well in NIL, like Miami or even Arkansas, it seems like is pulling yeah. in some serious money. And and you got to credit Eric Musselman because he's the perfect coach for this situation. NBA background where he had to deal with different rosters every year and try and make the most of it. Did it at Nevada. That's how he built up that program. And it was transfer you even before it was the transfer portal era at Nevada when he got in the Martin twins. And now he's doing it at Arkansas. And we can get into what they've done. Tremont Mark comes over and the leaf battle from Temple. So they're already making some waves in the transfer portal this particular year. So you can either be good at NIL. I also think it benefits the power conference schools that have really strong academics because then you're getting the likes of Yale or the Ivy League schools or the mid-major kids that want to succeed on the basketball court and have grown in terms of their play at the mid-major level to the point where they're a power conference caliber player, but also they understand, I want to get a good degree. And to tie it into, again, now I'm just 
pulling from different sports that I cover here, but lacrosse is fascinating in that regard because for example, Duke every year is very good at pulling transfers in men's lacrosse grad transfers in particular. Why? Because they have a one year MBA program where you can come in and it's designed for not athletes, but it's designed for anyone to come in and for a year walk out of there with an MBA degree from Duke. Now, that's probably something that they could give to a basketball player, too, and it's worth monitoring that. But it gets lost in the shovel, the shuffle when you think about athletes and what do they want. They want to get good academics as well. They understand that, and especially if you're coming from a mid-major level and you're trying to come up. Like, I don't think that kid from Brown, who I'm forgetting his name, and, and you talked Paxton about it. Yeah. yeah, he's not going to go to, and I don't want to disrespect any schools, but like, Ole Miss or, you know, it makes sense. He's going to UNC. UNC is a good academic school, right? And and he's going to continue to study what he wants to study probably. So that's going to be interesting to monitor. Maybe an underrated storyline that some of these schools that, yes, have good endowment, good NIL, all that's going to factor in. But also are the schools that are just good all-around schools in terms of academics as well going to benefit from this? I think as we kind of talk through this, it's – just we could go all day about the layers and the intricacies of of the NIL and transfer portal intertwining. You throw in that the coaching carousel is finally winding down. It's it's a crazy time for basketball, and there are so many layers that intersect with it all. Each program, I'm imagining, handles this differently, and each athletic department has to handle it differently as well because the NIL more than anything varies school to school. You're going to see different packages. You're going to see some, some schools approach it in a way where it's almost like a contract where you're just being paid to play. Whereas other schools, you do kind of have to make more public appearances. And I'm sure that's part of the re-recruiting process. These players are opening up their recruitment quite literally again. And so each school is going to handle it differently. What what to me is then going to be fascinating is what about the schools that are kind of you're going to have advantages like FAU is bringing everybody back next year. That's yeah. a school that I think has an advantage. Duke is all of a sudden returning a huge chunk of their core. And so do those schools have advantages? Is it a disadvantage to bring back that many people? Do you want some new voices in the locker room? I'm not sure. I do know that the words that, and it's a cliche that I continue to hear, get old and stay old. The transfer portal makes that possible, but there are other ways to have a veteran team, which I think Dusty May and FAU are going to be kind of the poster boys going into next year of a final four team that brings everybody back, brings their coach back. That's going to be the headliners of, look, stay with your program, stay the course. If they all of a sudden have a ton of success, does that make some programs rethink, okay, maybe we shouldn't tell maybe our freshmen you should find somewhere new to go for next year because you didn't develop quite like we wanted to this season because I do think that conversation is happening. Coaches are having to tell their players who have only been on campus for one year, we want to go out and get graduate students. Sorry, you might have to go find somewhere else to play next season because we don't see you as being on court ready as a sophomore. I guarantee that conversation is happening too. And players are, I don't want to say forced, but they're being maybe told you should try your luck in the portal. I'm curious to see if that continues, if that stops. uh, And does FAU's success next year have an impact on that at all? Yeah. And by the way, FAU has signed Dusty Bay to a 10 year contract extension. So 
That was good to Get see. Paid, I, Dusty. Yeah, I know. I guess he, he could still go somewhere else, but I thought that was smart of FAU to try and lock him up and sort of guarantee him for as long as possible in 10 yeah. years. That's a obviously he's earned that contract extension. FAU hadn't won a tournament game, and then all of a sudden they go to the final four. So a lot of credit to him. Let's get into some of these individual players and we yes. can just sort of react to some of the news. And this will be a way to I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to hear some of these names and be like, oh, I missed that one. And I, when I was going through, I was like, whoa, Kirk Carissa to West Virginia. When did that happen? I, yeah. You know, Stuff like that. So that's kind of the fun of going down the list like this. Let, let's actually start with that one. Kirk Carissa to West Virginia. He's one of the our favorite players, I think, just because of what he brings to college basketball as like a personality aspect as well. And I was kind of bummed to see him leave Arizona because I feel like he was in a good situation there. But I don't know him at West Virginia has kind of thrown my my brain for a pretzel a little bit. I love him in the Big 12. I think yeah. that's going to that's going to cause some really fun matchups because when he gets hot, he is a lightning rod. And that's going to be really fun to see him in maybe the best conference, the Big 12 or the Big East have have strong arguments for it. The best conference in college basketball I was surprised at the fit of West Virginia because you think of West Virginia defense first guard. It just doesn't They're... match up with his game. That's what I'm saying. It, I, yeah. it, it'll work, I guess, but it's just of all the schools that are Kerr Creases schools, I just want to guess West Virginia. Me neither. And I do kind of like the chip on your shoulder mentality, I think. I think that was probably attractive to Carissa going there. Um, just the kind of underdog mentality that West Virginia always seems to just embrace, even when they're not the underdog. That's just the way they play. I have to imagine that was kind of part of the attraction. But I mean, you're surprised he's not going to play uh, for Xavier, right? Like that was the the obvious choice for him when, when he announced he's transferring. Mm -hmm. His old coach felt like a better fit on the court. That, that to me was a little surprising because I thought that was one of the more obvious landing spots for any of the big name guys. Another big name guy who is a complicated player in college basketball, Caleb Love has gone from UNC to Michigan officially. So Hunter Dickinson out, but Michigan adds Caleb Love. It's sort of going to be a fascinating year for Michigan because I think there's going to grow. There's going to be some growing Jawan Howard. Is he the guy chatter if they aren't good this year? Right. I mean, yeah. they, it was off to a great start. Then there was the altercations and he got suspended for a little bit there for the fight at the end of that game. And, and now I don't know. I, I think Michigan's going to be solid next year, but I do think Caleb loves just the ide ideal guy that needed a fresh start. And I would bet that he's going to be pretty successful at Michigan. I would love to be a fly on the wall for these conversations in the Michigan coaching staff, like just in their offices. Cause I want to know what went on with Hunter Dickinson. I want to know what's going on with Caleb Love is you, you a recruit him. I'm sure you're offering him a very good NIL package, but what's the game plan for next year is Hunter Dickinson. As far as I understand, he's probably leaving, but it's not a definite that he's gone. Like what's that communication? He announced like he was coming back as... right after the season. Right. And then he hit the transfer portal. So I would assume he's out because he's, he's just doing all kinds of meetings with other schools. He was chatting with Syracuse on zoom yesterday, I think. And I don't know everyone. Hunter Dickinson's another one. We haven't really talked about him specifically yet. We mentioned it, I mean, but he's just as polarizing a player as it gets as well. Yeah. And I feel like he works in the big 10 
when you have to match up against some of these great Big Ten bigs, how successful is he going to be at, I don't know, Alabama? Just insert a random school. I know they're not specifically after him, but I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of his game. I, I've never been a huge fan of his game, but also you look at his numbers, you look at his production, it's hard to ignore. I think it's worth at least you know having a chat with him and considering him for sure because he is an All-American level player. Too talented, too much production to ignore. There are now some off-the-court headlines that he's been making for the last yeah. couple of weeks. Do you want to bring that into your program? He's clearly a big personality. I love that he's a shit talker on the court. Like, I love that about him. Um, he is not afraid to let opposing student sections hear everything he's thinking, which to me is, as usually a neutral fan, really fun to watch. And I love hating him when he plays Penn State. But you're right. He's a Big Ten big. He He's not an SEC big. He's Although he and Oscar Shibway would be a really fun matchup if, if he were to battle with the Kentucky big man. But he just fits the plotting big man role. But again, that makes me think, does Michigan want to go more of the, the positionless basketball where they're playing with a lot of wings? Classically, that's what Jawan Howard is great at coaching, those wing players who are great switchable defenders. The way to score on Michigan last year was to get the switch on Dickinson and attack. All of a sudden, he and Caleb Love being on the court at the same time, that is a defense that would look very, I think, I, I would have to imagine a group that you would really be able to score on. Yeah, I would um, agree. <laughs> going to be fascinating to see where he does land. I do think the likes of Maryland would be an intriguing spot. Um, what if he went to, again, he's from D.C. What if he said, I'm going to Georgetown? I have no clue if that's a possibility at all. But I think it's out there start a little a bit. Yeah. A program turnaround, go back home, go to a new exciting coach. That to me would be a fascinating spot to land because I do see him in the Big East more than the Big 12 or the SEC. Yeah, and it's also, I've been following his one in particular a little bit closer because of the Syracuse deal there. And, and sure. Syracuse is interested in trying to replace Jesse Edwards, trying to find that starting center that they now have as a vacant spot. Brendan Strawn, the new assistant coach at Syracuse, was his coach at Team Takeover, his AAU team. So, He's got some ties there. That's, I think, partially why he's meeting with Syracuse to chat. Now that he knows Jesse Edwards is gone and and there is an open spot there. I mean, obviously, he wasn't going to go to Syracuse when Jesse Edwards, one of the better centers in the ACC, was also there. So a Georgetown would be fascinating. I think he could really shine on a bigger, like Michigan's a pretty big stage. But if he goes to one of these brand name schools and he's doing his thing of trash talking and I mean, I say shine, he, he's probably going to become kind of hated, but in, in a oh, good for way sure. for college basketball fans, because it would just be more of a brand name, more entertaining to watch him play if he's playing for a basketball branded school. No question. He was the most hated man in the Big Ten by the end of the year. Um, it was it was pretty funny to watch him turn full heel from a guy that I'd never really had a problem with. And I still don't necessarily have a problem with him. He just is trying to make headlines a little bit too hard for my liking sticking with Syracuse a little. I want to ask you about Joe Girard. Where, yeah. where do you see him? That's, that's a name that I think a lot of people just recognize. And um, he was such a big time recruit for, for Cuse when, when you got him, the central New York kid had his moments in the orange, but definitely he was hated at times as well. I'm curious your perspective there. 
So if you ask any Syracuse fan, they they don't even want him back next year. It's like the Caleb right. Love situation where they just are blaming the failures on one poor kid, unfortunately. And I think it's a little, it's a little sad. Yeah. And he gets so much hate. Like he posts or his girlfriend posted a TikTok that went viral because she he was taking all these calls and she was videotaping him like with the caption when your when your boyfriend hits the transfer portal. And all these comments are like the Shanghai Sharks are after him or, you know, it's just, it's really like, it's funny, but it's also like, God, this kid is just a hard worker for Syracuse. He's not athletically gifted. Really. He was asked to play the two, three zone, which I mean, he's not going to be much better at man to man defense. And I think that is the question mark, but I do think Joe Girard could be a solid role player, spark plug type player off the bench. And that's kind of what I always said when he was at Syracuse, he put up points in the ACC and Syracuse fans will tell you it was all because Jim Beheim gave him free reigns and he shot too much and all this, but he was like a 40% three-point shooter throughout his last couple of years at Syracuse. The numbers speak for themselves, and I think we're seeing a lot of teams really interested in him, which is kind of dispelling the narrative that he was overplayed at Syracuse and all that. So he needs to be in the right fit, but I think as a role player, catch-and-shoot three guy coming around screens, maybe ask him to come in and hit a couple threes and provide a boost off the bench. He could definitely fit in with an NCAA tournament team in that regard. People see that three point number next to your name and you're going to call coaches. Coaches are constantly searching for three point shooting and efficient offensive players. If you can find one of those in the portal that if you're talking puzzle pieces, that's a relatively easy one to slot in, right? Like I get he's below average defensively, pretty safe to say that. But if you can surround him with a team that has some really athletic wings who are going to rebound the ball, they're going to be good on-ball defenders, if you can limit his defensive responsibilities, I generally think that he's going to be a helpful piece to your puzzle. Um, Another name I want to talk about is, I'm sure we could go all day just about Joe Girard, Max Acemas. Yeah, I was just going to bring him up. Yep, He's got to be the next guy. I mean, one of the nation's top scorers in the country, just a guy who's going to put the ball in the hoop, Coming from a mid-major program, though, a little bit undersized, similar to Joe Girard. I'm fascinated by where he lands. Yeah, I think he's the best player available in the portal right now, even wow. though he's from the mid-major ranks. I, I think I'd rather have him on my team than Hunter Dickinson. I, w- I was going to say, too, there's been some like weird rumblings on the deep interwebs of Twitter about Adama Sanogo maybe entering the portal, which yeah. I just... I would find that one the most puzzling of all of them, because is there a better situation to be in than defending national champion, coming back preseason, all American, getting all the touches, letting you shoot threes in the final four. I just, he's got to be making good NIL. I, I can't even fathom why someone like him would enter the portal, but it just goes to show you that every situation is different. And sometimes it's just a kid maybe wants a different change of scenery and wants to go closer to home. The things we were bringing up before, as of us recording, that's not out there, and I'd still be pretty shocked if it happened, but I do think Ace Miss currently is the best player in the portal, and I hope he goes to a big-name school. I could also see him just going back to Oral Roberts, like some of these other mid-major guys that we've been discussing. That'll be a fascinating one. A couple other names here that I just think have gone kind of under the radar. Hunter Salas from Gonzaga. He Remember, he was a five-star recruit, one of their better recruits in program history. Just didn't do much, and I think he was viewed as a project coming out of high school as well, but hasn't panned out. Just four points per game over his first two seasons there. 
But I wonder if, you know, there's going to be several of these guys as we get further into the transfer portal of just big name recruits that are projects that go to these big time schools because they want to play in the final four and everything. And then they realize, oh, I'm not good enough to crack the rotation. You know, Stanford has Harrison Ingram and he's entered the portal. Another five star average like ten and a half points per game. But I would be targeting those guys that have the pedigree, have the talent, and then just maybe we're in a tough situation to crack the rotation. It's a fascinating question for those guys, right? Because you're maybe not quite happy. You're not having as much success in college as you wanted. So you're in the portal, hoping to find a good landing zone. But often then they're going to land at a spot that probably already has a pretty deep rotation or at least a group that are also bringing in other good transfers that you're going to be competing with. It is worth noting that not every of these transfer portal stories ends well. You have situations where yeah. guys end up at worse spots. You have it's situations probably 50 where, 50, honestly. There's a lot it, of situations where it doesn't work es- out. Especially in the on-court basketball side of things. I would have to imagine the success rate as far as what they're looking for off the court. You have a slightly higher hit rate there. You're either going closer to home, going to a coaching staff who maybe you just think you're gonna like more. I would have to imagine that success rate is on the slightly higher end, but the on the court definitely is far from a guarantee. Um, and so those situations are are scary for me as somebody who's just watching. Like I, I hope for the kid's sake that it works out because you don't want them to end up going somewhere that they'll regret. Another one that I just want to shout out personally that I'm really excited about Ace Baldwin from VCU yeah. headed to Penn state. I think that's a big pickup for Mike Rhodes. I think it was expected as soon as Ace Baldwin entered the portal that, okay, he's probably going to be following his head coach here, but wasn't a guarantee. That's a big pickup for Penn state. I'm not expecting them to be anywhere near the top of the big 10 next year, but just for year one relevancy year one. Okay. You're going to have to take this team seriously. Ace Baldwin's a really, really good player and should just give Penn State a little bit more of some some oomph immediately in the Big Ten in year one under Mike Rhodes. Yeah, that's the A-10 player of the year this past yeah. year. So, I mean, that's that's a big piece that anyone would like to have. And, of course, Mike Rhodes had the inside track there because he's coming from VCU. I wonder when you're Penn State and you're the athletic director there, if you're factoring that in or how much you're factoring in when you're picking your next head coach. Because Penn State's got some momentum, and a lot of times when you lose the coach – you lose momentum if you hire a coach that's from the mid-major ranks and he can bring some of his players up. We saw that with Virginia Tech's a good example and Young, and, and he brought some guys from Wofford, and then they kind of hit the ground running a little bit quicker than some of the other coaches might have. And I'd have to imagine it's one of the first questions asked in the job interview, right? How do you approach the portal? Walk me through yeah. your your bullet points of one through five. What is your feelings about the transfer portal? Um, and I'm sure that they are asking these coaches about how, what's your approach on NIL? How do you want to handle that? Does your views match up with our athletic department views? And then for Penn state specifically, a lot of all of this conversation is how are you going to work with the football program? Because Penn state is such a big football school first. It is, how are you going to be the little brother to, to that program is just how that conversation I'm sure went with Mike Rhodes. How are you going to be able to have that success? Um, even when you're not like Ed Cooley's talked a lot about, he wanted to go to a school that was a basketball school, right? He wanted to go somewhere where basketball was the priority. Shaka smart 
has made that a big deal about his move from Texas to Marquette that he feels more comfortable where a program is basketball first. That's a big question for Mike Rhodes and how he's able to handle that marriage with James Franklin and the football program and how he's able to handle all of that. That's a lot of storylines around just one coach and all the question marks that you have bringing him in. It's part of what makes Penn State just such a tough job. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we got a couple more minutes here. I'll just rattle off some names. And if you've got any other names that you want to fill in, feel free. Uh, Kamari Lands is going from Louisville to Arizona State. One time, once upon a time, a big time recruit there. Sky Clark is going from Illinois to Louisville. Jalen Withers also leaving Louisville to go to UNC, which will be interesting. Brandon Murray is one of Chris Beard's first big ads at Ole Miss. He comes over from Georgetown. Georgetown has added Jaden Epps from Illinois. So we'll see if they fill in the puzzle pieces there. Walter Clayton Jr. going from Iona to Florida is another interesting one. Haven't heard a lot of St. John's to this point. And and I'm sure Rick Pitino is hard on the trail, but I'm kind of waiting for that first big Rick Pitino get. I'm sure it'll happen. That's that's what I'm not overly concerned about as far as him being able to just attract, attract the right type of players and the right people that he wants, I would feel like. Yeah, and we're still waiting on Matthew Cleveland, Severe Wheeler, Ryan Nemhart. I mentioned will be interesting. That's a probably a top five point guard in the sport, so that'll be a big one. For one sure. name, one name from the mid major that I'd like to shout out: Tyler Perry, North Texas is yeah, point good guard. One. I think he's he's got a little bit of Marquise Noel in him. He's maybe Max Acemus light in this transfer portal class. Can really shoot it. Just going to handle the ball. He's a veteran. I would expect a Big 12 team to take a flyer on Tyler Perry. Maybe it's a Kansas State. I, who knows? But I would I would expect him to go to a big-time program and put up good numbers. That's one of my favorite kind of sleepers of the class at the moment. He's from the, the best conference in college basketball last year, Conference sure USA. And he was the player of the year. So yeah, Beat North out Texas Jelly Walker, guy. beat out everyone from FAU for that. So he's he's a big piece. Yeah. Um, I, and we'll see, we'll, we'll definitely have another show in the near future, recapping some of these other names. I think we should probably do a coaching carousel show too, as well in the near future, because we haven't even, you know, gotten into that too much, but we're trying to keep up, trying to tread water here and, and make sure we're keeping you guys all abreast with the transfer portal news. It's been a lot of fun to track. It, it makes the off season a little more encouraging, a little more entertaining for us. So we'll keep following along here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review if you can. That'll help us out. So for Brian, I'm Tim, and we'll catch you guys next week on the Just College Hoop Show.